Probate Weekly. We get together every week to talk about all things probate real estate. Uh, I'm a real estate broker in Los Angeles, but this is a national platform. We have agents, attorneys, vendors from across the country to help you build your business in probate uh, real estate, whether it be as an attorney, as a realtor, as a wholesaler. Love to have you come on. We do this every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, um, 7 p.m. Eastern time is recorded. Uh, and then live stream also onto YouTube, Facebook. Love to have you participate. So if you're watching on the live stream recording, you, you can come in live next time on the, on the Zoom call at probateweekly.com. Probateweekly.com, register there and you'll get the, the Zoom link. If you're watching it on Facebook or YouTube Live, feel free to put questions there. And I check the chat box and we will catch the comments and try to help you with, as well. Um, also want to point out that we have a couple a resource for free is the Probate Experts uh, Facebook group. So if you have questions after the fact, we didn't get to you and want to continue the conversation, or you have content or you're looking for content related to, to uh, probate real estate, feel free to come in here. And mostly it's mine, but other people have come in, attorneys and um, uh, consumers have come in and asked questions. So please feel free to participate there and love to carry on the conversation uh, and continue. Uh, we started the conversation talking about probate data, how to get it, how to share it. I was explaining how I'm, in my case, I have numerous agents that work for me. I buy the data and distribute it to them. And he says, what are the, uh, what's the quality of the leads? Are they shared with 20 other agents? So I would say that most of the data companies that sell data will sell to anybody who will pay for it. Um, and so, yeah, and it depends how you use it. And I think you have to think about that. Uh, even companies that don't, that sell limited, I know all the leads.com limits in high market areas to a certain number of people and they'll create a waiting list um, that they won't sell the data to more than a certain number. But obviously they may not, but other companies might get that same data through the county and be selling it as well. The data might not be as good, might not be as fresh, but that all said, um, so you have to think about how do you create an exclusive, how do you create value added for yourself uh, when you when you work with customers to help them choose you to do business with you? And if it's just the fastest person to do the phone call, or if it's just cold calling on the phone, that's a very narrow competitive advantage. And I always have felt the best in the long run, the best um, competitive advantage is knowledge, information, expertise. I'll just share with you, I have a case where a recent one, literally working on before this phone call, where my client complicated case and in the trail of the deed, there was a, the decedent received the property from a grant deed that had not been recorded for 20 years. So he had a deed, he didn't do anything with it, after 20 years records it. And it was not an insured transaction. Now legally, if you take California real estate law, they'll teach you that if the deed's recorded and you know, first record, first empower, if the deed's recorded, then it's uh, effective. But try selling a house with that deed, not so simple. There's a lot of fraud with deeds, caregiver fraud, there's family member fraud, there's just forgeries. So the telecoms are very hesitant just to say, oh, there's a deed, we'll insure it. And in this case, we had to put the family tree together, check signatures, check dates. But when all that checks out, I'm able to get them to accept that deed. And my client now has full authority rather than limited and does not need to do an 850 petition to get the court to certify who the property is because we've done that work and certified it and know how to do that. That's the opportunity you have when you're an expert 
versus just an agent. So what I'm gonna urge all of you to do, well, we're glad to help new people get started. If you're gonna get started, get committed to being an expert. Expertise is not because you passed a class or had a certificate you can put in your email. Expertise is a result of doing something over and over again. Uh, it's an attitude of learning and growing and challenging yourself to improve. Um, quick question, I see our guest Shadi just came in. So uh, while she gets set up, um, just a real quick question for, uh, from Christopher. Uh, feel free, by the way, to put your contact information in the chat box. If you're watching on the YouTube, on the on the uh, Zoom call, love to network, share leads, share information. Literally, I get requests from attorneys and families for uh, uh, places to refer to attorneys or realtors probate uh, around the country. I've literally closed deals so far this year in the last 12 months in Maryland, Virginia, uh, of course, California. And so love to get you put your information in the chat box and let's be friends and try to help each other. Okay, without further ado, you know, I do this every week. Uh, and, you know, for anybody who has not um, uh, done a, a podcast, one of the challenges is just getting people to show up, uh, getting guests to show up. You have to have some leverage to get them, to encourage them. Uh, I don't have a budget. You know, I'd love to offer high priced attorneys or hourly rate uh, and maybe a bonus. But, you know, as well as I do my business, I don't do that. But more than that, sometimes there's just a grind of the process and you, you get a guest and you hope they show up, you hope they're good. But once in a while, in the last three years, I've had uh, one or two people who just light up the call and people will tell me for weeks, wow, that person was great. And one of them is a return guest for us today. Really one of the um, fun people to talk to, one of the most knowledgeable attorneys, uh, one of the best attorneys in Orange County, both in probate and in estate planning, which I look at that as avoiding probate, Shadi Schaefer. Shadi, how are you doing? Good. Hi, Bill. Hi, Looking great. Looking at you. All in white. Now, that means you're the good guy attorney in white rather than the bad guy attorney in black? I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know, great. Well, to well, today. well, so good to have you here. And you're traveling? Where do, where do we catch you? No, no, I'm actually in my office uh, okay. at a conference in Palm Springs, and then oh. I am leaving in a few weeks to uh, out of the country for a wedding. But you're here for now, so we caught you. We kind of got lucky. Now, yeah. I had some other dates, and this one worked out, so glad to have you. So just for those who don't know you, as if that's possible, should I give you a little background? Where did you grow up, and how did you get into the practice of law, and then how did you end up in probate and estate planning? Uh, I was born in New York. My parents were immigrants, like most Americans today, I think. Uh, first to go to college, first to go to law school, I went to college at UC Santa Barbara and then <clears throat> ended up going uh, to a master's program um, overseas in Spain and then did, uh, I got my master's certificate and then went to law school in San Diego, California Western, and opened up my law practice in 2004, uh, next, next year, yeah, 2004. and. Um, Gosh, uh, we've been doing estate planning ever since. So I'm here in Irvine, California. We do trust planning, all types of estate planning, special needs planning, life insurance planning, um, advanced trust, tax planning, irrevocable trust, revocable trust. And then we also do probate administration all throughout the state of California. And we and then I am heavily involved in trust administration. Trust administration is the process in which when a parent passes um, or an individual passes and the trustee, the successor trustee is the person in charge, 
they need to now take the assets and give it to the beneficiaries and distribute um, pay creditors and the expenses of the estate. My firm specifically represents trustees. That is my specialties is handling trust administrations. And then I have a partner that does some other, you know, asset protection and, um, and tax planning and so on. So that's me in a nutshell. I'm, I'm married with children and they're driving me crazy because they're 15, 10, and six, but that's for a different talk. <laughs> You're so energetic. You look so young with the, the kids like that age. I would be passed out in the corner of my office, I think, oh, so uh, if I get away with it. You didn't see me this morning. <laughs> I, I, I tell my child, I said, I have, and this is a very random thing. I'm not saying it for effect. Trust me. I told my son, my 10 year old, I go, you give me more stress than a trust that I administered that was worth a hundred million dollars. I'm like, I, of course, the kid doesn't know what I just said, but right. I mean, I'm, I'm always telling my husband, right. just unreal. Right. So, right. so yeah, I really, if, if, if uh, I'm married, if being married was as easy as the hardest house I ever sold, it, life would be a lot different. Uh, I didn't say that. My wife can't hear the door uh, is open. So uh, anyhow, so, um, and by the way, my sister went to Santa Barbara. She's a gaucho as well. So you kind of similar age and uh, similar uh, spirit. So, um, and for those who are listening, I want you to notice she listed off what appeared to be and went to her as an expert is like a whole range of areas of law that really are all very narrow niches, sub-niches and sub-sub-niches within the probate and trust administration space and the areas that relate to that. And I wanna draw for those of us who, who get the phone call that says, do you know an attorney? And you go to the attorney who has 10 areas they do business in, but it's divorce work, DUIs, criminal, bankruptcy, probate, uh, international law, immigration law. I always think, like, whoa, 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 that's not 10 areas. That's that's all the law of practice in California. That's like me as a realtor saying, well, I specialize in first-time home buyers, houses, commercial buildings, office buildings, industrial, bridges, farms, and, and ranches. No way you can do all those things and be an expert at any of them. But what she just listed were a list of micro niches within the probate slash trust space. And that's why I think it's so exciting to talk to her is you're talking to somebody who really is an expert there. So for those, and also I'm gonna say, if, you've, if you like this, she's been a guest on my show already twice, you're welcome to see those as well. But she, but she gave me a couple of topics I had permission to ask her about today, and I'm excited to talk about. Let's talk about property titling. Um, so many times people feel, I don't need an estate. I'm going to properly title the property either married with my wife as community property or as a joint tenant, I'm protected. What's the difference between just titling the property correctly when you take it versus titling it and having a plan that that title can effectuate? Uh, so just so I understand that I clearly understood your question. Are it you might not be possible. I might yeah, have gone on and on and confused you. Know, if I'm, I just want to clarify for everyone else. Yeah. Is your question like, what are some of the key distinctions or differences between well, taking title to a property as husband and wife versus putting it under a trust plan? Yeah, or I mean, I get, I get all the time a customer will say to me, "Well, I don't need a trust because I know to take title as say husband wife is community property, right?" No, well, that's, that, that's those are two terrible, different things. That's a terrible. Yeah. So I get it. It's like, I don't come from a family of attorneys. My mom was a beautician of many, many retired now. My dad was a subcontractor. I get it. It sucks. Sorry. Oops. It's not fun to pay an attorney to do an estate plan. Um, and, and 
it could it could be expensive when it's done very well. Um, but you know, when you when you're purchased, I mean, the biggest piece of asset most of us will ever have in our lives is our home and is the properties. So, you know, don't be penny wise, pound foolish, I say. So here's the thing. Husband and wife can absolutely, it's very, that's an easy scenario. I could get the property, title it, you know, Shadi and Luke as husband and wife with writer survivorship or, you know, you know, or married couple, whatever, um, uh, community property. And I think, oh, I'm good. I'm protected. Well, yes, I suppose. However, let's pray nothing happens to both of you. You both get incapacitated in a car accident. There are so many layers to that scenario. And I, 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 I tell people now, like, I'm not here to, to, to try to help you figure out how to go around a trust plan. I'm here because I'm a trust attorney. And if I tell you guys the calls, I have a scenario I could tell you about just happened three weeks ago, young person, no assets, parent called me, they died and they need probate. I can't get into the details of it, but there are other reasons out there why probate is triggered. Okay, could have been a drunk driver that hit him. So now he died and now the parents want to go out after the drunk driver. They cannot do that without a trust plan, without having a trust in place. So there's so many benefits to a trust that it's it's important. Um, a perfect example of that husband and wife scenario is I, I actually have a, a, a new, new clients now where <clears throat> uh, the second parent has now since passed and they have three children. These children are all under 26. They span between ages, I'll say 16 and 25. And we're now going through probate. Now, the, here's what's crazy. They actually had a trust, but if, when, when we looked up the properties, the, 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 the spouse, one spouse died first, they didn't do anything. And there's still two or three properties as husband and wife, as you know, married couple community property. So what could be wrong with that? How could that not work out? Yeah. So here's one thing to keep really in mind when you're purchasing a property, especially with another joint owner, even if it's joint tenants with right of survivorship, I say, Bill, let's hope you and I die. And then the other one of us gets it. Yay. And if that's our intention, by the way, because it might not be the intention, if it's two brothers, I'm, you know, or siblings, I might want my share to go to my children and, you know, um, but the thing is, is the moment you go into a marriage with someone, in, a, in any real estate business transaction, any kind of asset sharing, you need a power of attorney on the other person to manage the property for their interest because it's in their name. So um, if in that scenario, um, Bill and I own a property together and I die, he gets it fine, no issues. But if I am now have a stroke or I'm tied up in the hospital because someone um, hit me in a, with a car. And by the way, if we're all in California, really anywhere, the world has changed. People are getting hit by e-bikes and pedestrians are walking. And so the risk for us to get injured is even higher than us just dying. So he would need a power of attorney to sell, refinance, or transfer my share of the property. It's right. a problem. It's a right. domino effect problem. Right. Right. So think about that big picture and don't think about, let me just figure out a way to avoid the, a trust plan. You, go, you or, buy a property, you need a trust, especially in California. Right. Or think that you'll never think of all the possible scenarios. I mean, it's one thing to think of all the scenarios, but there's always, well, what happens if that nobody ever thought of? 
that's why you have you end up with an attorney in court rather than having a trust that might have you know prevented that. So um and then how does refinancing play into this? Because you you have a property and you know the old days, of course, people would be forced to refinance out of the trust and then put it back in the trust. They would forget it to put it back in. That's a classic case. But does refinancing change the equations? If you have it in a trust or if you have in a marriage, does pulling equity out perhaps change the rights or change any potential scenarios? No, no, no. It, I, I mean, you can freely, when you put your home in a revocable trust, you can refinance all day long. The key is making sure your lender and escrow is putting that property back in the trust. Right. I had a dollar every time I heard that scenario. That is a very scary scenario. Right. So you're free to refinance and leverage and do whatever you want. And it doesn't really change anything because if I'm, you know, if I'm one of the kids in my mom and dad's trust and it's going, you know, the trust assets are going to me and my brother 50-50, if that property is worth a million and owned outright, or if it's leveraged by 300,000, he and I are still going to divide that, you know, we're going to divide whatever's left after you know, expenses of the sale of the property, you know, 700,000 or 600,000, we're going to split it 50-50. So the trust plan doesn't change. It's just really important that it's under that umbrella of the trust, right? right. So I always refer to the trust as an umbrella of protection over you, your, you, the person and all your assets and your business interests and your properties and, you know, investments and so on. I do want to say something, Bill, because I think it's really important. And I this is something I actually wanted to talk about today. I'd mentioned it to you um, today or last night, whenever we talked about speaking today, is please, please be careful. We're not understanding in California how Prop 19 changed everything. So here's what I want to say. Do not help your parents refinance their property, even if it's to get a better rate. I mean, they could be at 8% and you're literally going to shoot yourself in the foot if you're trying to get a 3 or 4% loan. I mean, obviously those aren't the rates anymore, but my, my point is you cannot just help your parents or a parent or a grandparent refinance because most of the time what these lenders are doing, which these parties don't really realize what they're doing. They're not meaning to harm you. It just happens because it's a lack of understanding of the whole big picture is I have scenarios right now where the kids or the parents don't tell us they go, they do the refinance. They And then like a year later, they're calling us or six months later, they're calling, why did I get reassessed? And I'm like, oh crap. And this is a very daunting process because I want, so ma, like mom and dad had a property that they bought 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And then dad died, mom's living. And one of the kids are like, oh, let's get a better rate or let's pull some cash out. Whatever the scenario is, let's just get a line of credit. And next thing you know, like, one of the kids now is added on title for purchase for purposes of borrowing the money because they've got income and they're credit worthy and right they're helping them do the loan assessor looks at this as a change of ownership and now they're going hey son is this your primary residence do you live there and he's like well no i live in you know i live in huntington beach that my mom's the one that lives in woodland hills you know whatever and now that's getting reassessed Right. And the crazy part of the reassessment bill is the senior or the elderly person has to pay the reassessment. There's time limitations when you can do an appeal 
to the county. I know because I don't want to talk about it because I don't do that work, but I had to do it for someone. And they said, thank you for your application. It'll take up to nine months to a year for us to review this. And I'm thinking, right. oh my goodness. Right. This elf, this mother now has to pay an increase of property taxes to 50% of current value because of this, what they did. So right. please, please, please uh, be careful when you do those things and seek advice beforehand. It's that is that is crazy uh, because I have a very good friend of mine who her uh, her father just passed and her mom is still living there. And all of this is such good information to share with them um, as far as the trust goes and everything. Thanks. But do you suggest speaking to a lawyer about all of this or? Because uh, I came in here, I was having a little like trouble te technologically uh, getting on, and um, I, I love this part of this. So I, I want to make sure that I clarify, you know, what exactly like. So, for instance, I did an assessment on my taxes, um, and I just got a huge refund on my property. Um, and they put it back to the original uh, mortgage rate. So, so be careful because a refund on your mortgage is different than a refund on your property taxes. Um, and I don't know the scenario there, but just to answer your question, before you guys do anything for properties that have been held for a long time and the basis of purchase was years ago, you want to seek guidance either from a real estate attorney or an estate planning someone that's well versed in property ownership and so on and please don't wait last minute because you know we're all in the sandwich generation and i'm not sure if, um a lot of you guys are aware I've, I've i've learned this in the last few months during covid we lost a lot of older attorneys and firms they just said you know what we're done so a lot of businesses closed out and, and some people just took retirement. So now we've got a group of estate planning attorneys that is servicing a very large group of baby boomers. So, and now it's not just baby boomers, but it's anyone and everyone that has property issues because of Prop 19, it, we're in a huge influx. Our assessor's offices are backlogged. It's a, it's a little frightening, but- you well, know, Let me add to that. The laws are changing faster than ever. Yeah. The county governments are shorthanded for whatever COVID and all that stuff is about. They're desperate for money. I think they automatically reassess on any document and then make you prove it. I just, yeah. I, I can't yeah. prove that. And I'm sure they deny it, but I believe the county assessors just say, hey, there's a new piece of paper, reassess. Even when I have people go to attorneys and do the, prop the paper properly and file the yeah. exclusion forms, they reassess and make you challenge them. I think because so many people miss that. And then, like you say, the statute of limitations runs out mm -hmm. and the county gets more money. And these people are like drug addicts. They need more money. Yeah. You guys, I have to tell you something. First of all, cost is going up for everyone, right? Milk, eggs, you name it. Like it's, it's hard. I've, I literally was just at a law conference of estate planning attorneys nationwide, just this last weekend. Okay. And we're trying not to drive prices up. Like you have these attorneys in this room, literally, they're not going, yay. They're really not. They're like, I, I'm worried. I don't want to keep driving the prices up for my clients and things. But the reality is 
as a partner of a firm that's been here for 20 years, I, I'm putting in so much extra time to just review this deed and review the history of the deed because I'll tell you something, in a recent case, the transfer was simple. It was just from my client to her trust. I'm not doing anything crazy. Correct. And my and it went up on the assessor's radar yep. because my client 12 years ago didn't file something that they were supposed to file. So the next day I went out and I drafted a one-page release that said, I can't be responsible for all the stuff you guys did 30 years prior. So if we find something, because the clients get pissed and they call me and I'm like, I just put it in your trust. Cause like, if you die, are you like, this is going to go through probate. Don't, you know, it's very challenging. And, you know, I'm someone that can't be like, not my problem. It's not, no, this is my client. It's our problem now. Right. So it's, it's really, there's so many moving parts to this. Correct. And it's, and by the way, I will say another thing, cause this is really important. When you get anything from the assessor's office, even if you think it's not right, do not wait, send it to your, to an attorney that you work with or someone you trust, you need to look into it. It is important. As Bill said, I've done stuff that should not have been reassessed at all. And my client was like having a small heart attack. And I was like, Sarah, trust me, this is wrong. I would never put you in this position. This is wrong. And I went, called the assessor, stayed on him, stayed on him, stayed on him. And thankfully, you know, I got an assessor that said, we apologize for this. And I was just like, that's all I needed to hear. Whoa. And I sent it to my client immediately and we fixed it. But the problem is you don't always get that kind of feedback. It's stand in line, do an appeal, or you're not getting anyone to answer you. And meanwhile, the client is paying the increased property tax, which for some could be huge. Her property tax went from like 10 to like 30 something thousand dollars. Right. Like, right. This can give people a small heart attack, as you can right. imagine, including us as attorneys. And I'm sorry, right. it's a lot to carry when I did already the work for your trust at X fee. I'm dealing now with all this extra stuff that do I build? Do I not build? I should be able to build for it. It's not right. fair to us either, but then that's the gray area. And I don't that's, want to build my client either. That's the tough part is they, they paid you to do the form with the exclusion to file it. And you and some attorneys do and some don't. I know you guys do the deeds, some don't. Some hand to the customer and say, good luck with it. You guys actually do it and follow up. And the county still flags it. Now, the one who apologized you, was that Orange County? I'm just guessing it wasn't LA County. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't say that. We've been quiet. Okay, speaking of LA County, in LA counties in, in Downey, which is the Beverly Hills of the 562, uh, Patricia Castillo has a question. What's up, Patricia? Hi, Bill. Hey. How are you doing, Shadi? Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I just had a quick question, um, and I wanted to comment too on what Bill was just saying. I worked in escrow for many years, and that we came across that a lot, where somebody was refinancing a property, they wanted to take it out of the trust, and they would ask us to prepare the deed to put it back into the trust, but we did not want to handle handle the recording of that deed because the tax laws always change, and we weren't we're not tax experts, right? So yeah. we would let them know we'll prepare it, but you need to record it yourself, and then send them a hold harmless amendment for them to sign on top of that. Um, but my question was, when did the when did that change? When was that official with the two thousand nineteen? Um, I mean the proposition 19 when did that actually change do you know what February year or month 15, that was 2021 I will never forget that day 
2021. Okay. Correct. February 15th, okay. 2021. It went into effect. It was the worst. Look, that law was actually voted in like November, December of 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're right. 2020. And we had like, before we even knew what it meant, it was right. like December. And we're all like, what, what does this mean? Like the board of equalization didn't was sending letters and memos saying, well, this is what this law is. And this is what, like in December and January, right. you mentioned, like we were given as a community, we were given 30, 60 days. I mean, we're not magicians. I can't plan, you know, well, you are like, shoddy. Oh, You're I a magician. Have, oh, oh, I still, we still have till the 15th. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, you don't understand. I'm like we have to prepare the document. You have to sign and notarize it. And then we submit like it. I, so I have one right now and I feel so bad for her. This attorney somewhere, I'm not, I'm going to say what city and stuff. They did some plan for her. I mean, anyways, I, I looked, I literally asked the client, can I ask you how much this person charged you for this? And right. she thought it was an odd question. And when he, she told me the fee, I'm like, okay, it makes sense now to me. It was botched up and she got reassessed. Well, when I did my, my, like I went and did my research they, they they shouldn't have reassessed her. It was a mistake. So I've now had to go in and file an appeal. But it's like it's just a waiting game at this point. And she's actually behind the deadline. So LA County had a deadline for when you can even put in the appeal. So I don't even know. So at this point, I'm just playing damage control. Like I can't give her back the last year of reassessment of, of the increased reassessment, but at least I could try to help this woman moving forward. But she was put, but I will say, even though the work that the attorney did wasn't great, it actually, I, I'm very, I'm very, I don't like to, you know, badmouth anybody. Um, actually, he didn't do anything wrong on the deed transfer. The assessor's is wrong. They did it wrong. And they're looking at the documents wrong. And that's a problem. It's just, it's an unfortunate situation. But I mean, look, you guys, we're the ones that voted this in, right? I mean, we are. I didn't. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't it's vote either, for it. But I'm just saying. Someone whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. You may have, then you can own it. I didn't vote for it. No, I would never. No. Are you kidding? I think this is like, okay. uh, I have to tell you, the only they, you know, they, they add things to laws to make it like, I don't want to say the only person it benefit. Like, do you want to know who put this law into effect? Do you know, Bill? I do not know. I was told realtors. it was the realtors. It was the realtors association. This is what this, the uh, Prop 19 you're talking about for the assessment where it's now statewide was the benefit was they can take their assessment statewide and move within counties and get it automatically accepted that was the positive side but one thing about politicians is once they get you to like something they throw in what they want I, um i think it was a combination i don't know i'm not a i'm not like, I, but if I the assessor just read every document properly and didn't change assessments on people who should not be assessed you would have one tenth of the complaints i think it was also to free i think it was a part to Look, in all fairness, I think it was also people had been owning property for so many years at such yes. a low basis. And I think it was also to change for to have new ownership for to sort of force new heirs to have to sell a property and not keep it for centuries and centuries. Well, and well it's a deal. So 
So what are you talking about? It was a deal made. So if, if, a, if mom and dad want to move, it used to be certain counties approved and certain would not keep the same assessment. You could sell your house in LA and move to another county. And if the county accepted it, you would keep your assessment, but that was only certain counties. And so, including LA. So I said, well, here's the deal we'll make. You can move and keep it with you, but we're getting stricter on which family members you can have a, a waiver of the assessment as you pass it down. And so that that was a trade-off. I think that, sure. okay, people voted for that trade-off. The problem with it is, at least what I see is, anytime the government's involved, they're going to interpret everything in the strictest sense to get money. And yeah. so that's what creates the mess. I don't know that inherently I would say that change itself is bad. It's just, it sounds good. It just doesn't work at the end sure. of the day. Very good point, Bill. You had a really good point. There's both good and bad in it because it does also help um, seniors um, and it's it, to carry their same property tax basis. So there's benefits to it. I don't mean to, I don't, I'm not trying to down poo poo it, you know, or, you know. Well, we should. I mean, it, it's been a mess. I think like a lot of things, it sounds good. It's just a mess. In my neighborhood, my next door neighbor pays $1,300 a year for property tax, almost the same house two doors down, pays like $19,000 a year for the same property tax, same police, same fire. So that to some people, that's inherently unfair. To other people, hey, they've lived there for 50 years, you know, good on them. And they've paid 50 years of taxes. The other people moved in. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but once the government gets involved, just always. It gets, it's messy. Well, I feel bad for the board assessors and they're, they're, they're just, like you said, there's understaffed. Oh, they're paid pretty well. I don't know. I'm not sympathetic. (laughs) Thanks. I don't feel bad for them. (laughs) I don't, you know, do your job. They just did their job. It wouldn't have a lot, a lot of this. People are stressed. They call when that customer calls and, and my next door neighbor type was a $13 a year bill and they get an, an invoice for $19,000 and they're a senior citizen. They, they rightfully can't sleep at night for months. Bill, I'll tell you guys very openly. I moved my parents. They're in their seventies, mid to late seventies. And uh, they just, I had to sell a condo by a, a single level because they can't use right. it. Anyways. I, I am paying their property tax because if my dad saw his property tax, I think he would literally have a heart attack. Right. And right. I applied actually for the Prop 19 BOE 58 or whatever um, for them to get that basis. It's a unique formula. I thought they'd have more savings, um, but I'll take the saving. I'll take whatever savings I can get, but it's going to take up to nine months before they can actually put that savings into effect. And we've got to pay the thousand dollar property tax every year or whatever that is. Time. And you have a sophisticated attorney who's doing all this for them. Imagine oh my the average I people. Know. I almost had a small, I almost died. It was so much work. Yeah. But I'm saying, imagine if, if somebody doesn't have an attorney, it's just impossible to negotiate that without an attorney. It's very scary. I feel really bad for our community. And I, it's just, it's hard. You know, that's why I don't do property tax appeals just for the record. But there's this one woman I am helping because I just didn't have the heart to say no to her. She's just this sweet little elderly woman. And my office is like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, but it's good. I mean, I'm, I've learned a lot and it's nice. And I'm, now I could be a, a mouthpiece for others to make sure that they don't have these issues. And I think that's really, really important. So um, we have a bunch of questions as we're, as we're having fun here chatting. Uh, so let me move on a little bit. <laughs> yes, who's knocked out. Christopher asks, of course, nice sophisticated question from Christopher. Uh, basically, he's he's asking uh, what happens when a property uh, is in a, a trust, 
but the uh, trust successor trustee, the trust heirs aren't complying with requirements to be in the neighborhood. Maybe there's weed abatement, maybe there's they rent out to bad tenants, whatever. They won't cooperate to solve the problem. Is there a way that neighbors can force an issue against the trust if it's vacant and a nuisance? And I, I know personally the answer is yes. I'm on the South Robertson neighborhood council, which is like a, a subset of the city council in LA. And you know, really you can notify police, you can notify planning, and they'll issue nuisance orders and things like that in certain cities like Los Angeles. You don't need to be, you don't need standing for a nuisance. Uh, it's not a civil case where you're trying to sue them. Um, but but uh, should I talk a little bit about the role of the trustee in avoiding um, abatements and nuisance orders and what liability they might be facing if the property is there for six months or nine months and there's squatters or there's bad tenants not paying attention to, what kind of liability are they facing? What do they need to do to, to eliminate that liability? Well, I mean, you definitely, so when you're a trustee of a trust, you have a fiduciary role. So even if you're, it's your dad and mom's trust and you have two siblings, you're no longer just, it's not like you're the child of this trust. You're the child as a beneficiary. That's a separate role. But when you're in a, tr a trustee, your role is very different. It's a fiduciary duty. So ignorance of the law is no excuse. And you have a duty of care. Absolutely. You have to follow up with HOA notices, any um, ord ordinances or laws that you're breaking, um, even disputes with neighbors and so on. It's as if you stand in the shoes of the owner. So you have to follow up properly. Now, there is some there is some separation of personal liability. Now, if I was such a bad trustee that I did a lot of naughty stuff, then the beneficiaries could come to me personally. You know, the law is not going to the law is not going to protect us from bad people. Okay, so if I steal or I do something really hurtful or wasteful against the trust and I harm the beneficiaries, they potentially could have a case against me personally as well. Right. However, most of the time when you're a trustee. Your universe is limited to the assets in the trust and those things. Like a lot of times my trustee clients are like, oh my gosh, am I responsible for this debt? I'm like, no, the, the trust is responsible for the debt, but you can't just not do anything, right? right? So you have to follow up. I don't know if I'm really answering the questions. No, I think you are. Any owner would follow up. You have to follow up. You have to hire counsel. You have to get an accountant. You have to do those things. The, the thing judges hate the most is they'll, they'll say something like, well, Sarah, are you an accountant? Oh, well, Sarah, are you a realtor? No, your honor. Well, why did you think that you could list this property and sell it yourself? And the, the one thing they hate the most is, oh, I was trying to save them trust money. And they're like, excuse me. I had a judge say to an elderly uh, man, he was the brother of the owner of the trust. You know, he was the trustee. He said, sir, this is this your trust? And he goes, what is this your trust? And he's like, no. He goes, exactly. Whose trust is this? My brother's. Is it your money? No. Then you should have hired proper, proper professionals to help you do this. And because you didn't, I'm going to make you pay for X, Y, and Z. He was a tough. I mean, I was scared. I felt now, that, now that's in the orange in Orange County. That's not in LA, right? That's an, uh, that's that no one, C judge. That one was Orange County. Yeah. yeah no, you get that's no, no C judge. Trying to get me to 
spill the beans on every county. And the, and the last scenario was LA County on the assessors thing. No, I was in Orange County a couple of weeks ago for a, a confirmation sale. The judge was so nice and polite and reasonable. Like, what the heck is this? Does he know he's a judge? The OC is like, even the building was nice. The, the sheriffs are polite. You know, it's, you go into LA, it's a whole different experience. Okay, let's move on. Um, court confirmation sales. I don't know if you get involved with them at all. That's one of my specialties. LA has so many more than any other county that's more regular. Do you get involved with them? The question is, are they more competitive? I can say the answer in LA County is yes. There's there the like all margins on all real estate people looking for deals and it is more competitive. Do you do those? Have you done some court sales in? I mean it's not that common. I mean, mostly. I did one years ago. I don't really do a lot of those because most of my probates, they're non-contested probates where I get my administrators or executors full authority. So right. we don't need prior court confirmation. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, Orange County. I, I don't have a lot of feedback on that. I know there was one question about, do we offer service to review pending transactions for the uh, to, to determine the potential trust and property tax implications? I don't really get involved with pending transactions. I don't have the bandwidth to do it. A pending transaction is something in escrow. And a lot of times um, it's almost like a little too late, right? Like you're in a pending transaction, like right. you can't really backtrack because you've got a liquidated damages clause. So I would, and also those tend to be, you, you want to be careful. Some of these issues are more real estate specific. So you would need a real estate attorney. Right. Also, I was just saying in general, for those who are outside California, when you drive from LA south, it's like it's dirty, grimy, busy traffic. And all of a sudden, the freeways open up, there's a little more sunshine, the plants are a little greener, there's more flowers. That's Orange County. So that's kind of like their legal system is kind of like that, just for those of you uh, who don't know. Okay, good. Um, uh, Megan Atlanta, welcome. Glad to have you there. Uh, Dwayne in Hagerstown, MD. Very nice. Thank you guys for putting your networking information in the chat box. Um, Christopher asked, what happens when all the successor trustees pass? Who's appointed and does the trust continue indefinitely? I think the answer is depends how the trust is written, right? If you have a poorly written trust, you're, you don't have a trust and now you go to probate. And if you go to Shadi, Shadi, what do you do or what can you do to um, avoid the everybody's past? Now I have no trustee. Oh, we, we deal with that um, very well. And most really any really reputable attorney that focuses on estate planning, you're going to have a lot of safety nets in that trust. It's just not very clear. It's not like, oh, here I am right here. You have to really read it to get the language. Um, but some examples could be, um, well, in this scenario, it's not going to work, but the last successor trustee can appoint the next one. So typically for me, when I'm dealing with gu guiding a trustee, a successor trustee, the, on the first day, if they're coming into us and they're getting guidance, and I, I see like they're the last person standing, I'm like, um, hey, Bill, <laughs> let's look at the trust and see if you have the power to appoint another successor in case something happens to you. So right. we're very proactive in that area because it has happened to me right. um, a few times. Also, sometimes the, the trust language will say um, the majority of the beneficiaries can appoint, um, a primary beneficiary can appoint or it'll give you guidance on who can appoint. And then sometimes it says, you have to go get a court, you know, the court to appoint. Right. And you just go get letters of instructions from a court to appoint, you know, approval. If everyone's signing off, it's pretty, it should be straightforward, but you're still standing in line in court. No one wants to do that. That is why, you know, you get what you pay for. You could, do, you could go online and get trust, but it's just going to be a basic trust. It's not going to have all those layers. And I tell my clients, you know, the beauty is in the detail in a trust. 
Okay. Cause if this document, the goal is it's going to survive our life to administer and manage the assets. Right. And I'm not here or able to manage it for myself. Then you need all the powers that you, you need, you need all the powers in there and all the different scenarios to be able to manage that trust. So having a very well-written thorough trust is, is worth, I mean, it's worth the price. It's your, it's your little baby and it's worth it. Cause you, you know, Bill, I mean, we go into court for anything these days. It's like, Oh, so much money, so much time. It's just, yeah, not worth it. Well, it seems to me also that the purpose of trust is for the unanticipated problems, right? If you can yes. anticipate everything, you may not need a trust. You could figure out, we'll deed it to this, we'll do that, LLC, blah, blah, blah. But it's only, well, what happens if five people pass? Well, then what happens? That's where you have a problem. Uh, I do see sometimes attorneys will have the last clause would be instead of court appointed the, or before the court appointed, they'll say, Bank of America Trust Department, Wells Fargo Trust Department. Do you use that? How does yeah. that work for you? And um seems to no, me those, I mean, look, it, it has to make sense. I mean, if it's like someone like my parents, it's like, what's the point? There wouldn't be anything really. <laughs> Wells Fargo and Bank of America do not want to be my mom and dad's successor trustee because there's not enough money there for them to manage right. a, a trust like right. that. Right. Um, so it's not bad, especially when there's a lot of real estate and things like that. But I do want to say something because you said. Oh, I think you made a comment about if it's in an LLC, you still need a trust to manage the LLC. There you go. Well, I was saying, you might think you don't need one in this scenario, but what happens if this that you didn't plan on, now you need it. So I'm just saying you yeah, can try right. to deal with everything yeah. you know, but it's when something happens you didn't plan on, like a yeah. global pandemic or, you know, that things become an issue. Yeah, um, I mean, the power to gift is a huge power. People take that for granted because you think, why does my power of attorney or my trustee need the power to gift? Well, <laughs> if you need to do advanced planning and now I'm incapacitated and I'm going to have like some serious medical challenges or rehabilitation and all my money's been depleted towards that, my trustee needs the power to gift so they don't squander everything in my estate and I could maybe go get some government benefits or do it. Like the power to gift is a huge power. It's something small, right. it's a planning thing, but it's huge. A big one. What's a common rule of thumb uh, for the cost for administering a trust? If somebody came to you and said, Shadi, I'm appointed a trustee and I need legal help for that. And the assets are about $2 million. Is there a general range of fees or is it all hourly or how does that work? So just so I can be clear, because I probably wasn't um, listening very attentively. You're not asking what the cost of creating a trust for that. Scenario. No, the administering. For on the administration side. Yeah. So yeah. the standard legal, you know, the standard languages is typically speaking, it's based on an hourly fee. That's pretty standard. Um, there is a new, you know, there is this new change to flat fee structures. Our firm does offer three tiered flat fee structures. Now, sometimes depending on the circumstance and the assets, I don't even have three options. I'm like, this is your one option or this is your two options on the flat fee structure. And then um, typically this is more for banks and corporate trustees, up to 2% of the assets under the trust, trust assets. So those are sort of the different um, like fee structures, fee models. So Just like a wealth manager might charge you one or 2% to manage mutual funds and stocks and bonds. Uh, if it's that kind of level of asset management, right. it's kind of annually, you're just kind of shuffling paper and tax papers and those kinds of things. It's we, as attorneys, it's different. We have to, we're under very strict rules about how we can bill um, and charge clients. 
but let's say, um, you know, you, I mean, I did one, it was a, there was a few children and I think we did a flat fee of like $8,500 to administer all the assets from mom and dad to the, to the two boys. But there was a, there was some, you know, you have to really look at it and see what that, you can't just think it's just a house and a bank account. It was brokerage accounts. There's other things involved. So it, it depends, but it wasn't too difficult. It was just one real parcel of property. Now I had an administration where it was like, a lot of investment properties, a business, and that could be upwards of, if I'm doing flat fee, maybe 30, but you know, that client case is with us for at least a year and a half. So when you hear 30, don't think I'm like administering that in three or four months or even six months. I'm working on with this family for at least a year and a half total. And then everything changes when you have litigation, right? Like oh. how do you, how do you even begin? What What's that conversation like? when somebody is a trust administrator and somebody out of the blue files a lawsuit, how do you even pretend to estimate what it's gonna cost? I start crying. If you're the trust administrator, step one, cry, because it's gonna be brutal. But but was it, and I've seen cases where, you know, with multi-million dollar assets or, you know, 20, 30, 50 million dollar uh, asset cases, where the legal fees eat up like half of that amount of money going back and forth for 15 years. This is live and it's recorded and I don't want to be maimed by my colleagues. Okay. I decided 11 years ago, I'm not litigating. I, I help my clients avoid litigation at all costs. If possible, we don't benefit from it. Um, I hope that all attorneys would think to first reach out and at least have a nice discussion before filing a lawsuit because Nobody wins in that scenario. And at the end of the day, I think people, unless there's some really major legal um, questions and dispute, okay, think about our legal system. A judge is sitting there. There's two attorneys on both sides. This is what the judge says. And I think Mr. Lapetis or Jack's there, and he's a colleague, he's a business attorney. He could probably vouch for what I'm saying next, perhaps. And it's, they force us to mediate and work it out with our clients. Really, that's what we're supposed to do. We used right. to be called counselors at law. It's to counsel our clients and say, hey, Bill, you're over here. John's all the way over here. These are your issues. Let's, and then we we advocate on both sides to get these people closer to the middle. Most cases in court go to go to mediation or settlement conference. And if you look at the statistic, it's a very high number. It's only a very, very small percentage that actually goes to trial. So at the end of the day, I always tell my clients, why do you want to sue each other? Like go to mediation, try all the other avenues before you actually file a lawsuit. But absolutely today, I mean, and I don't blame litigation counsels. They don't really take a case unless someone's putting down 10, 15, $20,000 retainers because they're in it and they've got to work the case. But now it's a whole different animal because it's, show me this document, show me that. It's just a lot of, and I, I've gotten on the phone before and I'm like, I, I did it last week on a trust. I'm like, counsel, I, I, let's talk. Like, I, you're, you want information? Great. We'll give it to you. But if this is going to become something crazy and you're, you're going to nitpick and like, if you're here because you just want information and transparency and you want to work together, then let's do this. But if this is going to be something more and then your client wants to litigate tomorrow, let me just refer it out because let's just save the client time and money. It doesn't make sense. I agree with you. It's not worth it. It's needed sometimes. Absolutely. But not, it's, 
in my experience, the every litigation case, one side or the other, or both, are using the process to beat the hell out of the other party with a baseball bat, but they can't do it legally with a baseball bat. So they hire an attorney to beat the other party with a baseball bat. And that's really, really what it gets and down nobody to. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. You have nobody. blood and, and, and skin on baseball bats. You don't end up with any assets. Um, okay. So in the YouTube, all kinds of people there. Thank you. Uh, see, uh, hi to Marvella from California and Jocelyn. Thank you from Rio, Nevada. I'll ask a, a classic question that happens all the time to realtors. So you guys should pay attention to this. I, I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you, Shadi, rather than me just say it, because if I say it, they don't believe me. You're an attorney. They'll believe you. If the attorney makes the trust, do you keep a copy? And then um, uh, if you don't, or they can't find you, where do they get a copy? Is a copy kept with a county, for example? I know the answer here, but I want to hear, I want to hear this from an actual now, attorney who does this for you. The only thing that's really public is the deed filings and whatnot. Um, wills are filed when someone dies for a matter of practice and creditor purposes, but a trust is a private document. And what we try to do is we keep an electronic copy. The client gets a hard copy. They get an electronic copy and we try to email it to them. And we tell them to always have one other person have another copy. So at least there's three copies um and that's really it it's really you know i've been doing this for 21 two years i think maybe once there wasn't maybe one time there was no trust and i it was kind of an easy fact pattern you know kids oh it happens a lot it yeah, happens it a lot happen. especially with happen. the self-help and online oh, trusts yeah. and trusts were done 20 years ago never updated that's the classic one oh, and the yeah those happen like crazy yeah no so idea. what happens so if they can't find the trust right uh, somebody uh beneficiary you know mom dad pass property's deed in a trust can't find the trust anywhere looked in the house can't find it can't find the attorney can't find they look on the deed there's a notary they call that person can't find them no evidence of anything what happens you go you go into court for letters of instruction or perhaps you're actually going through probate it really it yeah it, if the people are still alive they could just deed it out of the trust yay right. but or you put it in a new trust right uh, if they've but, passed yeah, that get really messy but typically you need sort of like court confirmation type of process you have to get the blessing of the court to move forward now you said something that's different than some attorneys some attorneys say to me we never keep a copy because we don't know if they've changed it subsequently and so we don't want to uh and we don't we don't know what the client wants if they've passed so we don't keep a copy we give it to the customer we advise them to give a copy to the um to their trustee or their successor trustee and to keep you know key parts to beneficiaries uh so i know i want to say that's my experience that's like 50 50. half will say we keep a copy we send them an email we have these electronic lockers we have all kinds of ways of keeping it to me that's called good service yeah. we'd rather turn to say i don't be involved in that mess they don't want the responsibility we call that in the rest of the world bad service but anyhow so you do keep a copy oh, yeah. at least you attempt to so that theoretically if you prepare to trust some a successor could call you and say hey mom and dad have passed and we know you did this can you help us we are not a trust mill we are attorneys that once you become our trust client we are with you for many years to come and that is why our fee structure is very different. We're not for everybody, but we offer that service. Right. And for that service, 
it's part of our big, you know, our full package fee. And no, I could pull up the trust, the very first trust I did back in November of 2004. Wow. Yeah. I, and I'm telling you, most attorneys will say, don't have a copy of it. Don't want it. And, and now, are, are wills different for you if you, if you do a, a will? Of course, your will is part of your trust package. How often do you do wills and don't do a trust? I stopped doing that many years ago at the expense of even not earning legal fees. I just, I'm sorry. It's not, I don't feel good. I don't, I, I make more money when those clients come back and then need probate, but just somehow for me, it doesn't settle well with me morally. I have thought about doing it recently just because they still need powers of, I'm going, well, am I now doing a disservice? And, you know, but it's very, I will not do it for someone that has real property because they need a trust. And to right. me, that's just, and I had a gentleman yell at me once and get mad and so-and-so asked, to, referred me to you and you're not going to give me a wool plan. And I said, no, Mr. So-and-so, you just got done telling me you own a property in California and you have a daughter. He was a single guy. I don't know if he, I mean, obviously he was divorced or maybe never married. And he was like mad at me why I wouldn't do a wool plan. I said, sir, do you realize when you die, your daughter is going to have to call me or someone else just to go through probate. So what's the point? I go, I just in good conscience, I'm telling you, you need to trust. You don't want to pay an extra $2,000 for it. I respect that. I would much rather have you just go elsewhere to do that. I don't want that on my, I just didn't do it. I just didn't do it. Because you're an attorney, I think people ask you questions because I'm not an attorney. People tell me and they're often wrong. If I was to ask you what percentage of the average homeowners, let's say, believe that a will avoids probate, what oh do you think the answer God. is? I'd say it's like 50-50 still. It's frightening. I think it's 90-10. Yeah, you're probably... I think no, it's 90-10. Right. You are the one that... So here's the, the scenario that is, is... And maybe because maybe our firm... Maybe it's the um, higher net worth, maybe clients yes. for more, you know. Um, you're, in Orange County. you're in Orange County. Yeah. I, Everything's I, better there. But, oh my God. <laughs> but the thing is, people that the one that's really bad are the married couples. They just think, oh, well, I'm married. I don't need it. And I'm like, there oh you my go. Gosh. Oh, there you go. That's another one. Well, and the will thing, I had a friend who literally would always say to me, he, he went to law school, he, he practiced law, passed the bar, and then he, you know, years ago, left that went into business and then retired or whatever so he hasn't you know done anything you know tell me he's a trade he insisted that will probate he said no 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 a will doesn't even get you in or out of probate it's just it, the will is adjudicated in probate court it's that's where it becomes put into power without probate court the will does really nothing other than it's a fancy document if it makes you feel good good for you but i'm telling you on this call if i ask people does a will avoid probate 90 percent would say yes it's just shocking and and so that's why there's a company that does online trusts and they give you a will for free and i always yeah. think that's like giving free cocaine to somebody like <laughs> and then they want you to call their attorneys when you I'm, I'm sorry i was at a conference years and years ago when i was I, apparently i was naive which is what I was told. We all and were. Like, wait, I don't understand. Why is this guy in the senior community only doing will plans? And the, the other attorney's like, um, hello, uh, because the 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 the, the beneficiary ended up calling the guy and he does probate for like, but to his defense too, um, I had a colleague say they don't want to pay the fee. I'm not gonna turn blue in my face to tell the right. senior why they should spend thirty five or forty five hundred dollars on this full trust plan when they can do the will plan for fifteen hundred. Right. Like, uh, right. I, guess. I mean, I, I you could make a case for it, but I just don't personally. I think it's, 
I think it, it's you. You're gonna be hard to convince me that you're really helping your your customers. It's I'm yeah. not falling for that one. I've been no. in probate court too many times to I, fall for that one. Okay, look, we're over time, Shadi, and I and you know you bill by the hour there, so I gotta I gotta wrap up here. I don't even bill by the hour. I'm like a fancy attorney. You know, I think you pay it's one and a half times after an hour, so I don't want to get. I, I'm serving cup coffee over here and taking out the trash bill. I'm not one of those. It's all good. Thank you guys. Shadi, so much it's a pleasure. So before I let you go, if someone wants to get a hold of you, you've got a great website, which is assetprotectioncenter.com. Is that the best place to go? It is, or just call the number up top. I will say something, and I have to apologize. Yeah. Our firm has grown and oftentimes I speak a lot and my office manager, it's the one that gets the call, they just want to meet with you. And I'm like, I can't meet with everybody. And I, I don't mean to that for that to sound bad, but I assure you, I have brought in people in my team that are even more amazing than me. Trust Thanks. me, like my associate's amazing. Valerie's an amazing associate. I was going to say, I think Valerie, like, she's much better than you. I think yeah. she's great. On estate planning and stuff, I think that's her niche. Yeah. And I think she's just, she's been a guest on our call as well. She's fantastic. So you really have brought in good quality Thank people. You. So, so yeah. My team will help you guys. So no problem. As much and, as, as much as we can. And we have multiple episodes with you now to go back and answer most of those questions. Shadi, thank you so much. Continued success. I really appreciate you thank being you. on today. Thank you, everyone. It was nice seeing you guys. Thank, thank you. Guys. you. Good night. And for everybody else, thanks for being on today. Probate Weekly. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. We live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, if you have questions there, uh, if you're married, can't you have the right of survivorship? Last question on YouTube, Elu asks, if you're married, can't you have right of survivorship? The answer is yes, but the problem with the will is depends on you know divorces and other factors how the assets were handled before i'm not an attorney but i think uh shiny would say you can always try to uh as, as we said try to avoid uh problems but it's the problems you don't think about that always catch you so again hopefully you take away from this which is there's no substitute for great advice in any business i think in real estate uh, yesterday we were talking on our home buyer call about how you don't need a real tree to represent yourself. As a listing agent, I love that because if you if you represent yourself and I'm representing my seller, I feel like you're playing professional basketball against an NBA player and you're just you. Uh, and the same with this planning that get a great advisor and Shadi and her team are fantastic. So again, we do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, record it live on YouTube. Uh, you can go to probateweekly.com to sign up and come on live. You go to episodes.probateweekly.com to see past episodes. Thank you to everybody on the call today for your help and your questions, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.
Hey, it's Bill Gross. I hope you like this video. If you want to join us live every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, register at probateweekly.com, www.probateweekly.com. And if you like this content, hit the like button and subscribe and hit notifications, and you get notified as soon as we upload every time. Thanks.